My name is Errol Corker, and I'm the founder and the CEO of the AB Corporate Foundation for Mental Health. Welcome to our podcast series, Brain Goods, Mental Health Moments. Today's podcast is on exercise strategies that can change your mood and improve your health. It will be provided to us by Dr. John B. Bartholomew, PhD, Professor and Department Chair, Teresa Lozano, Long Endowed Chair in Kinesiology and Health Education, the University of Texas at Austin, Austin, Texas. Welcome, Dr. Bartholomew. Happy to be here, honored to be invited. So uh, today what we're gonna talk about our exercise strategies uh, and how we think about exercise at this time from a mental health perspective and where we can see those benefits. And a lot of this comes from uh, 2018, 2018, the U.S. Physical Activity Guidelines were presented. And the process for this is, is exceedingly involved and begins multiple years uh, before this, where uh, a group of national and international scholars on physical activity and all the different domains of physical activity are brought together to be able to review the literature and create consensus statements as to what do we see the benefits for cancer, for cardiovascular disease, for other issues, uh, as well as for mental health. And this was the first year that they had consensus statements broadly on mental health. Uh, and then from those, that literature, they then distill from that the guidelines for the amount of activity that people should be achieving. And so for adults, uh, the U.S. guidelines are a minimum of 150 minutes a week of moderate intensity physical activity. Uh, and you can think about this as walking at a brick brisk pace, uh, walking, like maybe you're just a little bit late at the airport and you're trying to, to hurry but not run. Uh, well, 150 minutes per week, 30 minutes a day for five days a week is the minimum recommendations. Uh, obviously, more is better. And the more work that you do, the, the greater fitness you improve, the greater the benefits for your health. Now, obviously, Achieving this can be challenging uh, during times of social, social isolation where a number of things have happened. One is, uh, I think, in general, what's happening are people are doing less strenuous, long workouts that are sort of isolated in their day like they normally did, where maybe you get up and you work out before you go to work and then you'll go to work for the day. Or maybe you'll work out after at lunch or, or afterwards where you have sort of that defined period where it would sit. And instead, uh, we find people doing multiple bouts of activity throughout the day. Um, we also see individuals when they're not going to work, when they're working at home, there is a much higher rate of sitting and sedentary behavior. And part of the consensus that comes from these guidelines uh, is that there is growing evidence for reducing time spent sedentary, uh, particularly when you're not achieving other workouts. So if you get up and you go for, you know, a three mile run in the morning and then have a largely sedentary day, there's probably a lot of, not a lot of negative health effects from sitting during those periods. But if you don't do those workouts, if you're not getting sufficient activity, then those, that period of sedentary behavior becomes really problematic. Uh, let me talk to you a little bit about the consensus statement on mental health. 
first of all, there's there's quite strong evidence that acute bouts or individual bouts of exercise are sufficient to reduce state anxiety, to reduce a host of negative moods. And that regular participation, more like exercise training, something that you're doing on a daily basis or every other day, and doing longer durations of moderate to vigorous physical activity can reduce trade anxiety and significantly reduces the risk of experiencing depression. And here is a graph of some of the surveillance data in the U.S. with regards to physical activity and mental health. And uh, so the sort of bright orange, light orange bars on the left are represent sedent- people who are largely sedentary, who are not uh, close to meeting physical activity guidelines. Uh, and the darker orange are those individuals that are achieving those guidelines. And roughly it's about a third of the population in each of those pools. And what you find is that for depression, Uh, the rates of depression are significantly lower for individuals who are regularly active. The rates of social phobias are significantly lower, of generalized anxiety disorders, of panic attacks. Um, It does not seem to have an impact on alcohol dependence. Uh, There's a couple of reasons why that might be. Uh, But uh, with regards to general mental health, we quite clearly see, at least a cross-sectional effect, that there are significant reductions across these different forms of poor mental health Uh, for individuals that are more active. The question, of course, that comes from that is, uh, you know, which comes first? Is it the physical activity that prevents uh, mental health uh, disorders or is it the mental health disorders that that causes people to become less active? well, we have consensus, We don't, not as strong a consensus, but there's certainly moderate evidence that depressive symptoms can be reduced by even limited volumes and intensities of physical activity. Uh, I think this is one of the things that came from this review that was most surprising, that it's not doing an hour of physical activity that's intense or resistance training. It can be relatively low levels of physical activity or sufficient to uh to help to manage depressive symptoms. Now, the more that you do, the greater the volume activity that you engage in, the larger the effect on reducing depressive symptoms. And there's actually quite nice uh, work that demonstrates uh, physical activity, regular physical activity as a treatment of depression to be similar to a number of other treatment modalities. Uh, and more and more, you're finding physical activity to be an adjunct to other forms of therapy, particularly talk therapy, what have you, that individuals are are utilizing. When we think about physical activity for physical health benefits, the impact on different cancers, the impacts on cardiovascular disease, the impacts on diabetes, it really doesn't matter where you get your physical activity. It can be work-related physical activity. It can be recreational physical activity uh, and any type of work, any type of recreational activity. It it is um, there's not a big difference between those. Uh, But when we look at it for mental health, it turns out how we feel about the activity impacts how we feel after that activity and the mental health impacts that we derive from that, which is really quite different from what we saw find with other health related indicators. So this is a study with postpartum depression uh, and looking at the types of activity that women engage in after they give birth and how they're related to the risk of depression. And so... If you're receiving a reasonably high level of physical activity, but that activity comes from work, uh, then there's a significant increase in risk for postpartum depression. Likewise, if that activity comes from 
high levels of indoor housework, high levels of adult and child care. So basically, um, for women that have recently given birth and, and remain the primary caregiver of the rest of the family and manager of the house, then it nearly doubles the risk of postpartum mm-hmm. depression. Uh Outdoor household work, uh, primarily gardening and what have you, doesn't seem to have uh, an increase in risk or a reduction in risk, but it's recreational activity. It is the opportunity to go for walks, to walk the dog. It's an opportunity to go for hikes, um, to do other exercise classes. That form of recreational activity, that is where we see a significant reduced benefit. And again, if we were talking about cardiovascular disease, we wouldn't make these distinctions. These distinctions aren't at all clear. But from a mental health perspective, the type of activity and the meaning that that has for you clearly appears to have an impact on the mental health outcomes that uh, individuals achieve. Now, we know that social isolation leads to acute bouts of activity throughout the day. This is, you know, one of the things um, we were chatting a little bit before this is that uh, as we move away from traditional work environments to working from the home, uh, for those of us who are fortunate enough to maintain employment, what we find is just a, a tremendous loss of structure to our day. Uh, you know, it, it, a couple of months ago, again, people had times that they worked out where they were, where they exercised, whether it was before work, lunch, what have you to be able to fit that in. Um, and then you had a relatively structured day in the office. Uh, well, that's no longer the case. And uh, this has, I think in many ways expanded the workday for individuals, uh, it, it even further blurs that completely blurs this line between family time and work time, and and how do you allocate that time and make those choices? And so many individuals are responding by uh, more brief periods of acute or individual bouts of activity. Now, what's interesting about these is that every time we engage in these we're able to demonstrate a significant benefit. And so I want to make this distinction between individual bouts of exercise and exercise training. So for exercise training, you know, we're talking about it could be three to five days a week where individuals are active and trying to train and make things happen. You get significant increases in fitness, lots of health benefits. But in this case, I'm talking about every and there's certain mental health benefits, right? There's less likely to be depressed, less likely to be trade anxious if you're engaged in that training um, as a long-term benefit. But there are these immediate effects that we see following each bout of activity that we engage in where we see an improvement in mood. Uh, And it's regardless of training status. So individuals who have not been active at all, who have been largely sedentary for the last couple of months or years, uh, if they get up and they go for a walk, they get the same reduction in negative affect. They get the same reduction in state anxiety as do individuals who have been significantly active um, and are much fitter. And again, it happens every time. But just like we saw with depression in long term, physical activity and postpartum depression, we see the same thing with mood, where it depends upon how we feel about the activity. And and I want to talk a little bit about uh, a study that I did with Bridget Miller, uh, who's now a professor at Oklahoma State University. And so uh, Bridget was worked with recreation sports uh, when she was a graduate student and taught aerobics dance classes. And so we use that population uh, as sort of a a ready group of participants and had them perform an aerobics class. And then we measured their negative affect. And I'm showing you the negative affect data here. Uh, The blue bars indicate 
their responses prior to exercise. The red bars indicate their responses five minutes, pretty much immediately after the aerobics class was completed. And then the green bars represent uh, 20 minutes after exercise, once they've had a, an opportunity to recover physically to catch their breath, um, to get back closer to baseline physically, how were, how were they feeling? And what we did was we asked the participants, how well did you perform today? What kind of effort did you give? Was it a positive workout? Was it a negative workout? What have you? And, and they split pretty much in half. Uh, in those individuals who rate it as a really good workout, as a, as a high performance, as a really positive workout for them, and those who are moderate to negative in their performance, where they don't feel they work particularly hard, um, where they weren't happy with their workout, what have you. And again, it's about 50-50. And what you see in terms of negative affect is it doesn't matter whether you had a good workout or a bad workout. Um, there are uh, significant reductions in negative affect for both groups. And in fact, after 20 minutes, if you just look at people's negative affect, you can't tell whether they had a good workout or a bad workout. They look the same. They all have the same reduction in negative affect. This, however, is quite different when we look at positive affect, feelings of energy, feelings of happiness. These are the positive affect data. And again, the high performers are on the left, the moderate to low performers are on the right, and it's the same blue is before exercise, and then red is immediately afterwards, and green is, is following 20 minutes of recovery. And you can see that the individuals who weren't happy with their performance do not get an improvement in positive affect, despite the fact that they see significant reductions in negative affect, reductions in anxiety and perceptions of stress. Uh, it's only those who feel as though they have a good workout that are happy afterwards, that have a sense of energy, a sense of excitement that comes from the workout that they engaged in. Um, this again is missing in those individuals with low to moderate levels of um, performance in terms of how they think about it. So this is really quite interesting to us, right? And it helps us think a little bit about what are the expectations that we have for physical activity with regards to mental health to make sure that those are appropriate, um, how we structure those and what those goals are. And so I think quite clearly, we recognize that mental health is improved with regular exercise training. Uh, reductions in almost all forms of negative mental health occur for individuals that are more active relative than others. Uh, anything you do is going to be helpful. Um, any level of activity you engage in is going to be beneficial. But the more that you do, the better. The more we get an increase in fitness, the more we get increases in health, both physical health and mental health. Each time you're active, it reduces stress and anxiety. This is one of the arguments for engaging in this on at least a daily basis. If not, given the structure that our lives are facing right now, multiple times a day, because every time you're active, you're going to have a reduction in stress and a reduction in anxiety. And, um, I think it's quite clear that individuals are feeling more anxious, uh, that we're experiencing more stress. And so these opportunities for three to five minutes, even 10 minutes of physical activity spaced throughout the day uh, will help significantly in terms of reducing stress, reducing anxiety. And it really doesn't matter what you do. You can lift weights, you can run, you can walk at a brisk pace, you can swim, um, you can do 
stretching activity, almost any activity you engage in provides a very similar reduction in negative mood. In contrast to that, only movement that you feel good about, where you feel like it's a positive workout, where there's some sense of accomplishment, those are the ones that help you to feel energized and happy and more positive afterwards. And, and I would point out the reduction in stress and anxiety is a really positive outcome, right? Uh, we don't have to always feel excited after we work out. We don't always have to do this as a way to feel happy. Uh, it is really very often sufficient that we have this reduction in negative states as an outcome uh, and something to feel, you know, that that's a real positive that comes from this, even if we don't leave with this sense of excitement and a sense of happiness. And so how do we achieve this during social distancing? Uh, first of all, again, anything you do is beneficial. Any type of movement that you engage in is a good thing. There's lots of free workout videos on YouTube or similar platforms that are shared. One of the interesting things with this and where this can be beneficial is as we seek a sense of accomplishment, these different types of workouts can be really helpful with that. And so very often we see individuals may engage in a spinning class for six months, uh, super excited about it. They're doing it all the time. They buy all the shoes. They do everything. They're fully committed to spinning classes. And then after six months or a year, it's just time for something different. And they move on and they start boot camps and engage in boot camps for a while and then move on from those to do CrossFit. Or they decide to run a 5K or they decide to uh, swim or triathlon or what have you. And we see people cycling through. And I think one of the benefits of these cycles is that it gives you a new sense of achievement. It gives you something else to accomplish, something else to feel good about, something to feel proud about. And we know, as I've just uh, demonstrated, that when you engage in a workout where you're proud of what you're doing, then you're more likely to receive positive affect from it. You're likely to be happier after that workout than you are otherwise. And so that's one of the things that I think people can really do now is by looking at things that are available on YouTube or other options that present themselves. Uh, can you find something a little bit different, something that gives you a sense of accomplishment, something that mixes things up? I think that can be really beneficial. But by the same token, we can also just do super simple things, walking around the room, walking upstairs. Uh, there's a lot of activity that we can do in our apartments, in our houses uh, that uh, will certainly at a minimum help to reduce perceptions of stress uh, for individuals. Do lots of little activities. Try to reduce the time spent sedentary, the time spent sitting. I'm actually doing a lot of work right now in elementary schools where we're looking at uh, the time that children spend sedentary and can we interrupt this, right? So uh, very often a fourth grader will have an hour and a half uh, during the day that they spend on mathematics. Uh, well, that's a really long time to sit and focus for uh, someone who's 10 years old. And so we're working on integrating physical activity breaks throughout the school day. And we have very nice data that demonstrates improved attentional focus following that. And as you're working from home, and my guess is you find yourself because you have that lack of structure. You probably find your mind wandering. You find yourself becoming inefficient. Well, those breaks every 45 minutes, something like that can certainly help to be a reset uh, for individuals. So or if you are the kind of social distancer who is spending their time uh, binge watching uh, different shows on Netflix or Hulu or, or whatever service provider you use, Disney Plus, um, Get up and move during every commercial. 
get up and walk uh, in between half hour shows, things along those lines before you come back to it. Uh, those are breaks that are set into uh, what we're watching and they're already scheduled for us. Take advantage of those and move during those. And those tend not to give us that much of an accomplishment, right? Walking for three minutes uh, during commercials uh, isn't, uh, you're not going to get that many steps, you know? You're going to get uh, a couple of hundred steps through that. But if you do that throughout the day, by the end of the day, you can see yourself reaching an accomplishment where you're hitting 7,000 steps, 8,000 steps. And for somebody that's been largely sedentary, that's a significant increase over what they do. Most individuals, if they're not specifically working out or building a walk into their day, they're probably getting about 2,500 steps a day at most. Uh, so building in these small periods of activity, you can see this increase. And, and, and a lot of us, if we have smartphones, um, are already tracking our steps on that. And so use the phone to track it and get some sense of what you're doing and build that sense of accomplishment into your work. And I think you can find that. So, um, so I guess the final thoughts that I would say are, uh, the more activity you engage in, the better implement it throughout your day, spread it out, find little periods of times to make that go. Uh, and then try to do things like tracking it, try to do things like mixing it up and doing different types of activity that can give you a sense of accomplishment so that you're deriving the full mental health benefit from it. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Bartholomew. Been my you. pleasure. Thank you so much, Dr. Bartholomew, for this extremely valuable and helpful information. And I look forward to having you on future events. Thank you everyone for joining us on this podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Go to abkf.org and support us so we can continue on with our mission. Thank you again.